Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsang. This is SiriusXM Progress. So according to polls conducted by Pew Research and YouGov Omnibus, 41% of Americans do believe psychic ability is real. Um, At least one in three Americans have reported having an experience with women outnumbering men, 40% to 29%. Now, Matt Fraser, you may have heard of. He's a very successful psychic medium. He's a best-selling author, and he's a TV personality. You might recall his reality show, Meet the Frasers. He's also, of course, a, a magnet for skeptics, which is to be expected. His newest book is We Never Die, Secrets of the Afterlife. It's now in paperback, and it's actually, to me, a book that seeks to demystify death and debunk fears about dying. Wherever you stand on your belief in the abilities of psychics and mediums, this is a book about healing. It's a book about processing grief and taking care of all kinds of unfinished business we might have with loved ones who have left. It's a pleasure to welcome Matt Fraser to SiriusXM. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I, I mean this as a compliment, Matt. You're a, as a, as a professional comedian, you're a terrific entertainer. I, I really respect the way you connect with your audience, um, the way you make them laugh and how you make them feel. You're, you're very good at this. And, and as I said, you're a, you're a magnet for skeptics, which I guess is a compliment in your line of work. You've said that skeptics are uh, your favorite things. I love skeptics. I gotta tell you, I love the skeptical ones because, you know, I think everybody walks in with a healthy level of skepticism when they see a psychic medium, right? Not everyone believes that somebody like myself can speak to the dead. And I gotta be honest with you. I always think if I was in that person's situation, would I just believe that somebody can talk to the dead or contact my loved ones? Absolutely not. You know, and I gotta tell you that skeptics have allowed me to learn so much more about my gifts, talents, and abilities because they've really made me put push hard, push hard to really uncover what happens when we pass on, how spirit communication is possible. And also I try really hard when I'm doing readings to get as much facts and evidence as I possibly can to really support and back up that I'm connecting with that soul on the other side. Can you give me an example of how how skeptics, because you know, Houdini made a second career out of going around and debunking mediums who had fake seances, but how, how have the skeptics helped you become better at what you do? I find that. Well, I think it's 
I think it's because when you first talk to a soul, right? The thing is, is that everybody wants one thing, and that is to really know that it's your loved one. So the thing is that every single soul communicates differently, right? But I've learned that when I connect with the souls, I can ask them questions. What's your name? How'd you die? What is it? Some some key information that nobody would know. And I always ask the souls to tell me things that nobody could possibly Google, look up, or possibly know. Because I really want to show that person that I'm reading for that, listen, this is real. It's really your loved one. Because... Being a medium, people come to you with the worst pain, right? They've lost someone within their life. They lost a child, they lost a mother, they lost a sister, a brother, an aunt. And really what they're looking for is closure. They want to know, is my loved one still with me? Is my loved one at peace? Is my loved one on the other side? So as a medium, at the end of the day, what I'm really hoping is that my, my readings bring them that peace and closure. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of your book is about kindness and gratitude and forgiveness and generating good karma. Do you regard what you do as sort of a ministry? Because I do think the book is really a book about healing more than a book about being a psychic. Well, I think that people can find healing in the words from the spirit world, right? I got to tell you that I you know, teach people based on my own life. So for example, I could not do what I do. I could not be a medium. I couldn't do these readings. I couldn't do what I do and live a happy life if I didn't know that my own loved ones you know, were with me every day. I know my loved ones are with me. I feel them with me. I receive, I receive messages from them. I receive signs from them. And I feel so good. I don't stress over death. I don't stress over dying. I don't stress when a loved one passes here in this world. Of course, you know, I'm human. I go through the, the sadness, but you know, then I'm reminded that, oh my God, there is another side of life. And I will see them again. And in the meantime, the conversation doesn't end. I can still feel them and keep in touch with them. So what's so beautiful is I want to give that same gift to the people that I'm reading for. And it is really healing because the saddest thing is, is when someone comes to one of my events, someone comes to get a reading and they think that you just close your eyes and it's just black. They think that you don't, you, you know, you just don't transition on. You just, you just die. And To me, that's petrifying. I don't know how anybody could live their life like that. And if they do, you know, they they most likely are living in fear. And that's the reason why, you know, I think that the book is so healing because it shows people there is that other side of life. Tell me why you chose to title the book, We Never Die. You you do believe that it's it's not an ending. It is a transition, which is something most of the world's great religions have taught us for millennia. That's exactly that. And, you know, the thing is, is that I've learned that there's two versions of us, right? There's a physical version that we see every day. And then deep within us is another version. And that version is our soul. So your soul is the energy version of you. It's the version of you that doesn't get sick. It's the version of you that things like alcoholism or addiction can't touch. And what's so beautiful is that when we transition on, we leave our physical body here along with the illness, the pain, anything that we experienced here in life. Right. And we only take with us the good. We take with us the memories that we had here in this world, the connections that we had to certain people. And we take with us the life lessons that we've learned from the other side. And that's why the spirit world is so wise. And there's so much that we can learn. I still learn every day from speaking to them and hearing their messages. So when we pass on, we still have an appearance, right? You see physical apparitions. Absolutely. So we take with us our appearance. So for example, when I was connecting with a woman not too long ago who had lost her son, he was a tattoo artist here in this world and he completely covered his body in tattoos. And then when I was connecting with him on the other side, I saw him with all tattoos and I'm like, your son showed me he's all tatted up and right away she's like, oh my God. She's like, I didn't know what he would look like in heaven. Well, you gotta remember that in heaven, 
We look the same way as we do here in this world, only we take the best version of ourselves. What do I mean by that? Like not too long ago, we had Tina Turner that passed away, right? And when Tina Turner passed away, if you watched all of all of the news channels, you'll see that all of the video clips that they played of her was the best highlights of her life. The time when she looked her best, sang her best, looked the best on stage, right? All of those beautiful moments from her life we saw across CNN, Fox News, whatever it is that you watch. And what's amazing is, is that they didn't show the final moments of her life. They showed the best moments of her life. And that's right. the same version of us that we bring to heaven. So then let me ask the, the my favorite question. Uh, if someone loses a leg in this life, their spirit apparition will have two legs, say. Absolutely. Because the thing is, and you know, that's so healing because so many times people, you know, will say to me, oh my God, Matt, my dad was a double amputee. I can't believe he's coming back right now and he can walk and he can move. You know, you're going to know that your loved ones aren't dead. They're just different and they're back fully healed. What's beautiful is this, right? The spirit world explains it to me in this way. There's all different versions of our life. There's all different versions of us. So there is you know, think of think of all of your years of your life. Let's say that you live to be 90 years old, right? There's a one-year-old version of you, two-year-old version of you, three-year-old version of you, all the way up till 90 years old, you have 90 versions of you, right? So then when you transition on to the afterlife, you choose what version of you truly was you, truly was your essence, right? And it happens a lot when you talk to older people. For example, I had a neighbor of mine who, you know, uh, it was always dressed up to the nine. She was always, you know, very glitz and glam, you know, even though she was in her 80s. And I used to say to her, oh, my God, you're such a beautiful woman. And she, she used to say to me, oh, Matt, you should have saw me back in the day. I don't even look good now. She said, if you saw me back, you know, when I was at, when I was in my 40s, oh, my God, that was when I was in my prime. And she was Mrs. Rhode Island and so on and so forth. And she would always show me pictures of back when she was, you know, earlier on in life and. It was amazing because it really, at that moment, it really dawned on me that that's exactly what the spirits do, right? When we get to the side, we choose the best version of ourselves throughout our whole life. Which I find fascinating. But what about, you know, like the ancient Jews didn't believe in hell per se. Their word was shoal, S-A-T-O-L, the, the absence of God, which to me, I always thought, well, that's what, what poltergeists are supposed to be, right? Like people who die and they choose to not go into that light and they hang around and they're tormented. What about people who aren't at peace, souls who have passed on, who are still mired in pain, self-hatred and torment. Do they appear as their best selves and, and are they peaceful entities? So here's the thing. There's two vibrations. There's a higher vibration, which have our angels, loved ones, you know, the souls that have transitioned on to the other side. But then there are souls that do not transition on that stay here in this world. Now, everybody has a different word for them. You can call them evil spirits, earthbound spirits, trapped souls, souls that didn't go into the into the light. You know, I don't believe as hell as a place of, you know, being in the dungeons of earth with the man with the yeah, pitchfork, but I don't either. <laughs> But what I can tell you is that these are souls that don't transition on to the other side. And what I can tell you is, is that that's the reason why we experience hauntings here on Earth. If you've ever had, you know, uh, an experience where you knew a place to be haunted, maybe it was uh, an abandoned hospital, maybe it was an abandoned prison, maybe it was an abandoned building, an abandoned house, or, you know, somewhere at the far corners of the Earth where nobody likes to go to, like, um, for example, a, a place in the woods that's known to be haunted. It's actually for this reason. Souls that don't make it to the other side, souls that don't transition on are so evil, nasty, and negative that they only want to be by themselves. Evil spirits like to be by themselves. So that's the reason why a lot of places that abandoned, 
are haunted because that's where the evil spirits go. Mm -hmm. Do you believe in uh, tarot or Ouija boards? I know you've talked oh, about absolutely. tarot in the past and your mom's a card reader, right? Yeah. So actually, it's actually funny. My grandmother was so even though my my grandmother was a psychic, my mom's a psychic and I'm a, and I'm a medium, right? We all three of us have completely different gifts. So my grandmother used to get omens and premonitions. And my grandmother also used to read cards. And my mom is a life reader where she can see into the future. She can see like who your soulmate is, when you're going to get married, all that kind of stuff. So where I just, you know, I just speak to the dead. But my grandmother back in the day actually made her own set of tarot cards that, you know, spoke directly to her. And tarot cards are fine. We call this safe mediumship. Safe mediumship is when you're relying on your own connection to the other side. Like, for example, people say to me, Matt, well, why are Ouija boards bad where psychics and mediums are good, right? And first of all, I can tell you, not all psychics and mediums, you know, connect with the higher vibration. There are some mediums that, you know, like to try to connect with evil entities or, you know, uh, dark spirits or whatnot. I'm not one of those mediums. I don't want anything to do with that. You know, if it don't come from God, it can't talk to me. That's just how I feel. But what I can tell you is this, is that you have your loved ones with you every single day, right? Your loved ones already are in your life. They have a connection to you. When they transition onto the other side, there's a way for you to get in touch with them and them to get in touch with you because there's a bond of love that's there. Now, right. what also happens is, is that you can also interact with evil spirits, but evil spirits don't have access to your life. And that's something that unfortunately, most mediums don't talk about. And I want to clear this up because everybody thinks, right, because of movies and TV shows and things like that, that there's just like thousands of evil spirits out there. And to be honest with you, there's really not. That's what I want you to know. Because, you know, think of all the good people that we have on Earth. I'm not talking about the crotchety neighbor and things like that. I'm talking about all the good people, right, that are going to transition on and go and go to heaven. Just because you have a crotchety neighbor doesn't mean they turn into an evil spirit later on in the future. Evil spirits are the souls that did horrendous, terrible things like murder, right? Those are the souls that don't make it. But I want to say, and I don't know, this, there's, there's no heaven that's given me a statistic, right? But I like to think that it's like 99% of, of people are good and make it to the other side. We only have that very, very small percentage that don't. But you, you were raised Catholic, right? I mean, they, they all come from God in the Catholic faith, even the sinners. Absolutely. But you're born here in this earth, a pure soul, right? So you're, you, all souls come from heaven, right? So we're all first in heaven to think of it. It's kind of weird. We're all first in heaven in the spirit world, and then we're born here in this world, right? And if you look at a baby, all babies are just pure love. That's what they are, right? Baby doesn't know jealousy, hate, right? Um, any of those, any of those terrible things that we learn later on in life. But you're born a free and pure soul. But life changes you, right? Challenges in life, struggles in life, people in life, so on and so forth. And then we have choices that we make. Some people, some people, you know will spread kindness and spread love. Some people, unfortunately, will spread, will spread, you know, hate and uh, hate and evil. You know, it all depends on what your soul does here in this world. So I don't see evil souls transitioning to the other side. Like it says, I've, I've heard of earthbound spirits. I've seen earthbound spirits, but you know, the souls that have been truly, are truly evil to their core, who have done terrible things like murder. Those are the souls that don't transition on. I mean, you were you were raised Catholic and, and I was raised Catholic. I grew up around nuns who were believers in uh, psychics and mediums who, who went to them. Uh, I've, I've talked to nuns who've had experiences that convinced them. Is the kind of work you do ever considered by some to be oppositional to religion? The Old Testament admonishes against mediums and spiritualists. 
Well, you know, it's actually funny that you say that because I don't really talk about it that often, but I have had priests and I have had nuns come to me for readings, believe it or not. I won't tell you who they are, but I will tell you that they have come to me for readings. And it's actually funny because I've always gotten nervous when they've come to, to, to get a reading. Cause I'm like, oh my God, are they judging me? Like, why are they here? So on and so forth. But you know, what's so beautiful is they've said to me at the end of the readings, like, you know, thank you so much. You know, I, I really love what you do. I really love that you're doing this. And I think that, listen, at the end of the day, it's all about how you use your gifts and abilities. And what my grandmother who taught my mom and my mom taught me is that you have to do everything with God, right? You have to, you can say anything that you want to people. You can help people connect with their loved ones, but it has to be from a place of love. And you have to do it with God and never talk to the evil spirit. So that's why I always warn people not to use Ouija boards because you don't need that as a connection. Your loved ones aren't speaking to you through a Ouija board, but they are speaking to you through signs and other ways to get your attention and let you know that they're there. Signs like repeating numbers, dragonflies, butterflies, dreams, you know, are all direct connection to your loved ones. However, Ouija boards are an open portal to connecting with, you know, the dark souls. Yeah. Um, how do you define God, Matt? Serious question. How, how do you define God and how has what you do influenced the way you view other religions and faiths? You know, it's interesting because when you're born and raised, I don't know if you feel this way, but it's just how I do after all the years. When you're born and raised Catholic, it's almost like you're stuck in a box, right? You don't really recognize other religions or you don't really know that they exist, right? I know that that's how I was growing up. I always, I went to, to uh, uh, what's it called? Sunday school. I we believe, all about yeah, God we're taught, and, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the first line of the Apostles' Creed. You're right. Only us. That's it. So, you know, doing this work, I didn't know anything, right? When I first started doing mediumship, what's amazing is, is that the spirits and my clients changed me because I had people from all different religions, right? People who were Jewish, people who were Muslim, people who were spiritualists, all coming to me for readings. And I realized one thing, it doesn't matter, right? What religion you are. We, there is only one heaven. It's not like, okay, Christians over here, Jews over here, Catholics over here. No, everybody's all together in one place. And even the souls that didn't believe in you know heaven or the afterlife here in this world still transition on to the other side so you know i've learned a lot i think that there is so much that we can learn from every single religion and i welcome all religions right here in this office you know in my life and like i says from now on i consider myself i consider my religion spirituality because you know i yeah. just encompass all of that i think there's something we can learn from every single one I actually agree with that. I think the largest growing religious demographic is not Mormons. It's people who were raised religious, but now consider themselves spiritual. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back. You talk about how all mediums are psychics, but not all psychics are mediums. I think most people would ask, what is the distinction between the two? So a psychic is somebody who reads energy, right? So for example, you may have felt the, the experience where you feel like the phone's gonna ring and next thing you know it does. You might have that experience where all of a sudden you think of someone that pops in your head that you haven't seen in years and years and years. And then next thing you know, randomly, you run into that person at the grocery store and you're like, this is so weird. I haven't thought about this person in 20 years. They just popped in my head this week and here they are at the grocery store, right? That's you picking up on psychic energy. That same energy is how psychics will do a reading. They can go and tap into the energy that's around you and they can tell certain things. They can tell, you know, what's happening with you because let me tell you something. There's all different types of psychics and mediums. Let me just put it out there. You have medical mediums that can read you and tell what's going on in your body. If there's an imbalance or if there's an issue with, I don't know, if there's an issue with, you know, uh, um, whether it be hormones or whether it be uh, uh, a deficiency in some way. I don't know because I'm, not a, I'm not, a, not a medical medium. You got right. um, you got pet psychics who connect with uh, pets that have passed on and can actually uh, connect with the energy of pets that are still living. You have uh, psychics who are life psychics like my mom that can see a little bit into the future and kind of help to guide you in that way. And then you have mediums like myself. So the way that it works is that psychics pick up on energy. That's how they do a reading. Whereas a medium connects with a loved one on the other side directly. So for example, your loved ones are with you every day, like a grandmother that had passed, father that had passed, sister that had passed, a brother that had passed. And when I go and connect with them, what happens is, is that the way I receive my information is somebody has to tell me that information. I can't just tell you, oh, you're going to buy a new car next week or, oh, I see that you're going to go and move into a new house. When The way I yeah. get that information is that that's given to me by your grandmother that had passed away, your dad that had passed away. Someone in the spirit world will relay that information to me and I'll relay it back to you. Where a psychic, where a psychic actually gets visions of those things, if that makes sense. And then I, I get what you're saying. So let me ask, what what does happen when our physical bodies, our meat jacket, as I call it, when that dies and we cross over into this other... A meat jacket? What, what is a meat jacket? I've oh my God, that's, that's, that's what stuck I call in my head now. Yeah, I, I take off the meat jacket and the actual me leaves the carrying case. But, And that's what I've always believed. But what happens when we die, Matt? And, and how was this revealed to you? How did you come to understand what happens at the end of life? So what I want you to know is that I don't know everything there is to know about death and dying. I don't claim to know that I do because the thing is, is that I only know what the spirits tell me, right? When right. I first started mediumship, you're going to know this wasn't something that you can Google or look up or, you know, possibly know. And what's really amazing is that everything that I teach, you know, the people that come to me, everything that I write about in my books have been through the firsthand experience that I've had from talking to the spirits on the other side. So when I'm connecting with someone who would die, right, they'll often show me what the transition process was like for them. And it's different for every single soul, right? But one thing remains the same. And that is that let's take someone who has been sick for a long time and is passing. Nobody ever goes to heaven alone. And I want anyone who's listening to really know this. There's because always a guide. So many times. Always a guide. Right. There's always a guide. But also, what, there's so many people who come to me that say to me, Matt, you know, I'm, I'm so upset. My dad passed in the hospital all alone. My mom passed in the ambulance on the way. Nobody was there with her. 
What I want you to know is that the same way that we all rush to be by a person's side before they leave this world, that same thing is happening on the other side. You have angels, spirit guides, and also loved ones that have passed before that person that come to prepare them for their journey to the other side. Right. And if you've ever been in the presence of someone who is dying or leaving this world, you'll notice that many times they'll talk about people who had died. You know, yeah, true. hospice nurses, hospice workers, they'll tell you this all the time where, you know, one of the ways that they, they can address whether someone is passing or close to death is they'll start to see dead people. And it's not a scary thing. You know, it's actually a comforting thing because when a person, when a person first passes away, there's this tunnel of white light that opens. And that tunnel isn't so much a tunnel like a subway tunnel. It's actually our soul separating from our body. So our body stays behind, our soul separates, and you start to transition onto the other side. And when this transition happens, you start to let go of all of the physical characteristics and you start to take form into your spirit body. So what's really cool is that during this transition process, a lot of things happen. You meet your guardian angel, you meet your spirit guide and suddenly you just know them. It's like being at a high school reunion and like the, with people you haven't seen in years and years and years. You're like, wait a minute. I know you, but I don't know you. Well, there's no time, right? I mean, if heaven or whatever we want to call it is a place, I mean, time doesn't exist. Clocks exist. So it is timeless. That's something that a lot of Catholic mystics have taught me. Absolutely. It definitely is. And then what's really cool, what, what people don't realize, and I, I find this really fascinating about the, the death and dying process, right? Is that we go through this kind of twice, right? So when we're born here in this world, think about it this way. Our soul is born into our body, right? As a, as a baby, as an infant. And we have to learn how to walk, talk, speak, how to use our fingers, how to use our toes, right? And then when we die, our soul comes out of our body and we have to learn how to be a spirit again. The same way that we're born into our body, when we leave our body, we have to learn about our spirit body. So the right. reason why I'm saying this is that sometimes when souls first pass on, it's really tough as a medium to get in touch with them. And it's even tough as you as a person to receive signs from them because they have to learn how to communicate with us, how to speak to us, how to reach us, and how to get messages for, through from their world to our world. Have you ever had an interview, Matt, where the interviewer didn't take a moment where they ask you, do you see any spirits around me? Have you ever had an interview where someone didn't try to get a free reading out of it? Are you kidding me? That happens all the time. That's a, that's my that's my life. Oh, but but, where the, but the interviewers always ask you for a free reading, right? They always try to say, who do you see around me? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, let me be the next one then. I mean, do you do you get any vibes off of me through Zoom on the radio? So first of all, there's a couple souls that I'm hearing from on the other side, all right? But first of all, the way the spirits communicate with me is I'll start to hear different information. And right away, John, when I'm connecting, there's a soul that's coming through that's telling me they passed of their head here in the physical world. Their head? Who passed the head? What do you mean by passed by the head? So that means to me that there was either a brain trauma, um, brain trauma, stroke, something like that. It looks like it was a hemorrhagic stroke or something like that that had happened that caused this person's passing. Yeah, I've had a couple people who've died from, from that, yes. Okay. Who was that to you? My paternal grandmother, my mother, uh, oh. and a few other people. Well, if it was your mom, that would probably be the reason why. Because you can understand, when souls come through, they don't come through and say, oh, hi, Matt, I'm John's mother. Hope everything's good with him. What happens is I'll start to hear quick bits of information. And I kept hearing my head, my head when I'm connecting. And I kept hearing that there was a bleed. So you know about her head having a bleed here in this world? Uh, my mother left from a, a very rare degenerative disorder, not a stroke per se. But did she have a brain bleed before her passing? 
Uh, not an issue I, up here. Not, it was all up here, but not that I know of in terms of a brain bleed. But it was a it was okay. a, a brain issue. Yes. When I'm connecting, because spirits will show me different things, right? And I keep seeing an area of the head that was affected. And unfortunately, where they're making me feel, because a lot of mediumship is feeling things. When I'm connecting with her soul, I keep feeling like this affected her whole entire body, being able to walk, being able to move. I keep feeling motor skills being affected. Yeah, of course. Yes. And right away, it was degenerative. Yeah. Okay. So know that that's her way of acknowledging from the other side that first of all, she can move, she can walk, she can talk on the other side when I'm connecting. I'm also hearing though, what's really tough is this, is that this was something where when I'm connecting with her was misdiagnosed or not found for quite some time because she's bringing this up. That is correct. So do you know if it started, this is going to sound really weird to you. Do you know if this started with her eyes? Did she ever have eyesight issues or issues with her eyes here in this world? Sure. Yeah. Most older people do, right? No, she's telling me about when when she, this is like, I feel like this is how she got diagnosed in the beginning. Like, I mm. feel in the beginning, they didn't know what was wrong with her. And I feel like she started to have eye issues. And that's when they look deeper to figure out the cause. Um, yeah, she was misdiagnosed several times. She had a very rare dis, uh, degenerative disease. OK, so that would be the reason why. Because know that when I'm connecting, I kept feeling like it, it was with my eyes. It was this and it was all these different parts of her body. Right. That caused this. So please yeah. know that that's her, her soul that I'm feeling right here. Okay, uh, they're always wearing clothes, right, Matt? I was worried about this. They're 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 always dressed, right? Yes, yes. And you know, it's actually funny because it was a woman that I was connecting with. Well, excuse me, I was on I was on my live on Facebook Live, and I was talking about like what souls look like and how they appear and what happens. And a woman said to me, she goes, Matt, she goes, um, stop telling people that souls wear clothes. She's like, they're completely naked in the afterlife. I'm a medium and I see them, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Listen, let me tell you something. I'm going to be completely honest, as I always am. Nobody has ever come to me naked on the other side. There's never been a time when I've done a reading and I've seen dingling. Thank God. Now, right. there may have been it. There might be. There might be later on in the future, because now I drinks myself later on in, uh, in the future. There might be a soul that I connect with that was part of a nudist colony and comes through nude because that was just their life and how they were. Right. But thank God. Thank God. I had souls come through in many ways. Souls wearing tidy whitey, souls wearing je jeans, souls wearing some quite uh, <laughs> quite funny outfits. But never have I had a soul come through, you know, butt naked. I've always wondered that one. Is, is the apparition around me giving you any more information? Um, well, so you understand every soul communicates different, right? Sure. So it's not so much as an apparition. Like when I see the spirit world, a lot of times what happens is I'll see shadows and figure, figurettes, but I'll also feel them. They'll make me feel what they went through in their body. And that's their way of communicating. Every single psychic medium communicates in one way with the spirit world. And that is, doesn't matter how you're psychic, they communicate with their thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So that's the reason why when communicating with souls, the easiest way for them to come through is to let me feel some of the things that they were going through right. in their body. Okay. But I mean, I'll tell you, the one message please. that she has for you is that your mom is saying to me that she wishes that she would have gotten to be more of a support system within your life here in this world, especially towards the end. Because what was so tough is that this illness caused her not only just the physical issues that she was going through, but she's telling me that it's caused her emotional issues that she was going through. And she says to me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So when I'm hearing that, that's her way of showing me that what was so tough is that in the end years of her life, wasn't even the end years. She, I, I want to say it was had to be about five years. She showed me five years. She was so yeah. focused on this illness and what was going on with her that she couldn't focus on anything else. And she shows me that she missed out on so much of your life. She missed out on so much of her life. She missed out on so many things because she was trying 
her hardest to just get healthy and to beat this. But unfortunately, there was no end in sight. Yeah. One of the things I appreciated about your show was you including your, your sister, Maria, who openly says she doesn't believe in psychics and, and, uh, and that she was a skeptic. And I thought that made the, for a very good TV show. But how do you respond to the skeptics who say what you do is just classic old school cold reading, the uh, generalized notions that, that look for something more specific to move on to? I know that everyone in your line of work gets that accusation. How do you respond to it? Come to a show. Come to a show. I mean, listen, people are going to say that until they get a reading from themselves, until they get a reading from themselves. And it's something that's, you know, uh, something that completely changes them. I think everyone's going to kind of go through that. Like, for example, my sister, she's a skeptic because she grew up with me. Right. And I would see and hear ghosts and my sister couldn't. And my sister's like, well, how can he how, how is he having these experiences when I can't? How come he's yelling ghosts and I don't see the ghost? Right. My sister has no abilities whatsoever, by the way. And I don't think my sister will ever understand fully what I do. And unless she sees a spirit herself, that's the only way my sister's ever going to be able to understand and to rationalize it. Right. So let me ask the big question, Matt, and thank you for being so generous with your time. What advice do you give to people who are struggling with pain, with low self-esteem, who are feeling trapped in life, who are feeling uh, bereft of hope, people who also don't believe in any of what you do? What advice do you give to those folks? So first of all, I got to tell you, I have a great respect for skeptics, right? Because, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And even if you don't believe in what I do or connecting with the other side, what I would first advise you to do is do your own research, right? Find something that you do believe in, right? Do research on heaven, the afterlife, the other side. You know, look into look into the spirit world. See if there's anything that goes in and aligns with you and aligns with your heart and your belief system. But the second thing is, even if you don't believe in religion, even if you don't believe in, in connecting with the other side, there's one piece of information the spirits have shared with me that I think that even skeptics can appreciate and learn from. And that is be your own success story, right? Life is all about challenges, obstacles, uh, finding solutions. And really what the souls want us to do is not to look back and say, oh my God, my life was so hard. My life was so difficult. I can tell you as a medium, I've talked to you know thousands and thousands of people and everybody has a different heart. Some people have financial heart. Some people have health heart. Some people have you know uh, love heart, meaning that they, that's their heart in life. Right. But it's all about becoming our own success story and how we can use our past to create a better future for ourselves and live our best life. And I'll tell you this. There was this woman I was connecting with. It was really sad. She had lost both her parents due to addiction here in this world. And uh, both her parents had passed away from addiction. She at a young age, you know, uh, was addicted through her parents. And so was her brother. And her brother was on the verge of passing. He had, you know, gone through many issues with with drugs. And unfortunately, he almost died. And that was her wake up call. When she almost lost her brother, she went, oh, my God, if I lose my brother, I'm going to lose everybody. My mom and dad already died. What am I what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to him? So she got herself clean and sober. She got her brother clean and sober. And, you know, uh, thank God she was able to save her brother's life and she was able to save her own life. And instead of looking back and saying, this is so bad, I was brought up this way. She used it as a way to become her own success story. You know, she now travels to uh, schools. She now travels to different meetup groups and speaks to the youth. And, you know, she uses her own story as a person who's been there, who's gone through the worst of the worst, who, you know, almost lost her entire family besides her brother. 
um, to go into really lecture to people and show people, listen, just because you were dealt a shitty, you know, uh, shitty hands later, you know, earlier on in life doesn't mean that you can't change later on in life. And I think that that's such a beautiful message, because if you look back on your challenges and struggles and, and you know, different obstacles that you went through and you can learn how to shape your life in the future, I think that that's something that we can all learn from. That is what I like most about your book. Matt Fraser is one of uh, the most successful psychic mediums. His most recent book is We Never Die, Secrets of the Afterlife, now out in paperback. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. I, I really appreciate getting to ask you all these dumb questions. I've always wanted to ask someone in your line of work. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Be well, and we'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker or wherever you get your podcasts on because you know I love it when you do. So we are back. As you probably know, Monday, October 9th is Indigenous Peoples Day. That is what we call it. If you want to call it Italian explorer hired by Spain to fuck up his navigation, find the wrong place, torture and murder people and be so corrupt after you have a mutiny and your own priest rats you out to the queen and you die impoverished in prison because you're a dick day. You can name it after the other guy. But we call it Indigenous Peoples Day. Minnesota just announced they are going to be celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day as a state recognized holiday for the first time ever. Schools that remain open will dedicate at least one hour to educating students about the day's significance. The bicameral Indigenous Peoples Day Act 
to replace Columbus Day as a federal holiday and designate the second Monday of October as Indigenous Peoples Day has been reintroduced to Congress by Representatives Davids, Norma Torres, uh, Suzanne Bonamici, Susan Del Bene, along with Senator Martin Heinrich, Democrat, Ben Ray Lujan. You already know it's all Democrats. Uh, The Indigenous Peoples Day Act, however, has garnered 56 co-sponsors in the House of Representatives, and it's been endorsed by the two largest tribal nations in the country, Cherokee Nation and Navajo Nation. So I'm so pleased to welcome two of our favorite guests back to the show. Simon Moya Smith is an Oglala, Lakota, and Chicano journalist. He's a contributing writer at NBC News, where you can read his thoughts on the on issues at the intersection of his heritage and modern politics. He's the author of the forthcoming book, Your Spirit Animal is a Jackass. He recently profiled actress Paulina Alexis of the Peabody Award-winning FX series Reservation Dogs for the Cut. Simon is fearless and brilliant. Also with us is our friend Julie Francella, an activist, an artist, a writer, and a veteran mental health professional with over 28 years of experience in the clinical field working with complex trauma. Julie has worked as the executive director of a domestic violence center and as a clinical caseworker. She's an enrolled member of the Ojibwa First Nations Reserve, and she currently works with the First Nations University of Canada. Julie and Simon, what a pleasure to welcome you back to SiriusXM. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you, and uh, happy Indigenous Peoples Day, Simon. I, I know it's too soon to hope we'll see this uh, on the federal level, but I'm glad it's been reintroduced, and I'm just glad to be here for the debate. Yeah, it's going to happen. I mean, it's it's clear that Indigenous Peoples Day is going to knock the shit out of Columbus Day, and it will be a federally recognized holiday. Right. Currently, it, they're only they're, it's only state-recognized, and it's recognized by certain cities, but on the federal level, we still have to beat the ever-loving shit out of Columbus Day. And then, of course, it's going to happen. And then people will, you know, banks will be closed on Monday in recognition of indigenous people and not a genocidal maniac. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, Julia, it's got to feel good just to know we're making the progress. And it, it, it feels so good knowing that it's young people who are going to be the ones to do it. Because the amount of people who think Columbus's grotesque genocide is acceptable, uh, is getting smaller and smaller every year. I know plenty of wonderful Italians we can give a holiday to. Our country is named after a damn Italian, Amerigo Vespucci. Um, Do you feel like we're getting closer to having this be properly recognized on the federal level? I do. Um, I'm so excited that there's so much push out there for Indigenous Peoples Day. Now, some of you might not know, but Canadian Thanksgiving actually falls on the first Monday in October. So it's October the 9th is Canadian Thanksgiving. So we actually don't have um, the same connotations to our Thanksgiving as the American Thanksgiving does. So it's nice that Columbus Day falls on our Thanksgiving and also Indigenous People Day as well, so that we can take back that um, narrative from the Columbus Day so fostering awareness and respect for indigenous communities. Yeah, definitely. And and again, I think it's I think it's young people who are doing it. Every year, Simon, I see fewer and fewer people who think that somehow this is an affront to Italian Americans to to not celebrate this ghastly murderer. I mean, I, I can't say it enough. The first act of protest by a white person in this hemisphere was the Catholic priest on Columbus's boat Mm. who was so appalled at how the indigenous people were being treated. He wrote back to the queen in protest. I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) protesting Columbus is the conservative point of view. I mean, yeah, it was Bartolome de las Casas. He was the one. Yeah, he was the one. So when people like to say, and we got to remember, these aren't just, it's not just Italian Americans. These are pro-Columbus 
Italian Americans. Okay, there's many Italian Americans out there that say fuck that guy. It, it's a horrendous yes. history. I don't know why Correct. they're still celebrating it. So Correct. these pro-Columbus Italian Americans like to argue that Columbus was just a product of his time. No, he wasn't a product of his time when you have Correct. Bartolome de las Casas reaching back out to the king and queen of Spain going, "Hang on a minute." This right. guy's fucking nuts. And we know what he did because he wrote it down in a journal. This isn't right. conjecture. It's not up for debate. We know that he would hang 13 indigenous people at a time, one for every 12 apostle and one more for Jesus Christ. That's right. He would never hang any less or any more. So we know these facts. So it's really difficult to get through pro-Columbus um, Italian Americans only because they really personalize it. They say my grandfather came here. And if I give away Columbus Day to you Indians, then my grandfather is going to be rolling over in his grave. And it's like, well, no, that's that's an individual approach to Columbus Day. You have to look at what he did and right. the legacy of colonization of encroachment on indigenous people. We're not the smallest racial minority in our ancestral land because of just germs he set in motion a genocide That's and right. usually again they just back up and they go well my grandpa and you're like ah oh, fuck you're a losing case and you just move on i mean i, I lately uh, every year i find that i'm reminding people of the narrative of uh, michelle de cuneo the childhood friend of columbus who wrote in gruesome detail about how he raped an indigenous girl that columbus gave him on the boat to rape. While mm -hmm. I was in the boat, I captured a very beautiful Carib woman whom the said Lord Admiral gave to me. When I had taken her to my cabin, she was naked, as was their custom. And I won't go too deep into it, but it talks about how the woman fought back until he took a piece of rope and whipped her and she screamed. Mm -hmm. And then he ends by saying, we came to such terms, I assure you that you would have thought that she had been brought up in a school for whores. Mm -hmm. I want everyone who's still defending Columbus as a man to have to read that account and defend the actions, defend the rapes. Wouldn't it be great if they taught that in school? Like if that wasn't something you learned in college as an elective later on in life. Exactly. But unfortunately, it, they don't learn that they used to sharpen their blades on uh, indigenous men, women, and children. They would literally just cut their hands off just, just to check, you know, check the blade. And then they would like smash, and this is true, as gruesome as it is, they used to smash the heads of babies and then feed the babies to dogs. They did. This is documented. Yeah, but again, did. at the end of the day, people, it's really hard to just like break through some folks, but you know, you gotta pick your battles. Some people would, wanna learn, some people wanna be assholes. They would cut the hands off if the people didn't bring enough gold to Columbus in their usual right. tribute. Like literally as a warning to others, they would chop hands off. I mean, I mean, the mob doesn't do that. And, and I always <laughs> quote this every year on the holiday. Columbus said, let us in the name of the Holy Trinity go on sending all the slaves that can be sold. I mean, it's mm -hmm. right there in black and white. And mm -hmm. I, I like to believe that, Julie, we are the last generation to be raised with this bullshit narrative of who Columbus was. Right. No, I, that's so true. Um, you know, I was working with um, youth in Canada, and one of the things that we would talk about is how those stories would make people feel. And a lot of times we talk about... So there's this external, you know, oppression and colonization. And what we find sort of in the psychology world is that we find young people, indigenous people and other marginalized people as well. Uh, they internalize that. And yeah. so they will 
you know, they call it internalized colonization. So you start to believe generation after generation, you have all of this, you know, negativity towards indigenous people, starting with, you know, Columbus, people like Columbus, and it hasn't gone away, but we're still dealing with the ramifications of that, you know, that mindset that indigenous people are, you know, the throwaways or, you know, Columbus was, you know, raping girls and and sharpening their knives and cutting off parts of um, the flesh. And that's what we see, you know, even even today. And that's sort of what we're dealing with in terms of that internalized um, oppression and internalized colonization. And you see it in um, the way that a lot of indigenous people are struggling in the world today, you know, and so that's something that I think it's really important to to be mindful of. It, it does seem like Canada is light years ahead of where the U.S. is. And I know Canada has a long way to go, but you have something in Canada that we don't even have the guts to start saying in this country yet. We, we've made it to Indigenous Peoples Day, but y'all have Truth and Reconciliation Day in Canada or that's Orange Shirt Day, right? That's the same thing. Yeah, so Orange Shirt Day basically started in 1973, a lady by the name of Phyllis Webstad. She went to a residential school in 1973, and she her grandmother gave her an orange shirt. And when she went to the school, uh, they took the shirt from her forcibly. And so that shirt became sort of a the inspiration behind Orange Shirt Day to remember, you know, all of the atrocities that had happened in the schools and in the residential schools. And so in 2015, when the Truth and Reconciliation Commission released their report, they decided that um, they would have uh, a Truth and Reconciliation national holiday or national stat holiday a day. And so that's the first one was in 2013. And then the in I think it was 2021, uh, they actually passed a bill, the government passed a bill to make September the 30th Truth and Reconciliation Day a federal holiday. And so that's, I think, where we hope Indigenous Peoples Day will will uh, get to. Right. I mean, Simon, it sounds like a pipe dream to imagine a Truth and Reconciliation Day for African-Americans or Indigenous people in the, in the States. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's it's all in the language as well. So when I was at the the legislature in Colorado covering um, a lot of the politics up there, especially around the Holocaust and the Armenian genocide, um, a state elected official, a Comanche, went up there and said, "You know, what we should probably do. We should have them recognize the genocide of indigenous people." And so the Republicans were okay with the term Holocaust for the Jewish community. They were okay with genocide for the Armenians, but when, we, when it came to indigenous people, they they would not allow it. And their that's argument, right. their argument was that we are still here. So that's why it can't be a genocide. So they passed the resolution calling it an atrocity. Mm. And it's ridiculous when you think of that that cognitive dissonance where they're they're saying that okay we're going to pass this resolution recognizing the genocide of armenians but the armenians are still here they're exactly i mean the fucking kardashians jesus i mean we jesus have... <laughs> and the kardashians pretend to be indian have you seen that shit have you yeah. seen them put oh, on yeah. the fucking headdresses oh, and then, then they i have Mm-hmm. They bring that bullshit argument that, oh, my, you know, my great great grandma was a Cherokee this or a princess that so I can wear it. That same old bullshit argument. So, yeah, it's it, getting the United States to recognize the genocide of indigenous people is near impossible. 
we can't even get them to recognize the dehumanization of the the chiefs of the, the football team, let alone them understanding that, you know, because of what they did and what they're still doing, right. we are the smallest racial minority. So it's we're yep. always going to be working on it. But again, it's the United States. They they have this white narrative. And if they all claim to be native, then none of them did anything wrong. Oh, I mean, it's like we have Jews still, and yet that doesn't deny the genocide of our Jewish brothers and sisters. I just, I mean, we have Mm-mm. Cambodian people, but there was Cambodia, there was a genocide against the Cambodian people by the Khmer mm-hmm. Rouge. It, and yet it shows how much First Nations people have to struggle with in terms of a fight for any kind of equality or justice or even recognition when you're dealing with decades and centuries of oppression and racism and deliberate systemic economic disenfranchisement. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back. Let me ask both of you. How do you explain to the average person the difference between Canadian Thanksgiving and American Thanksgiving? Julie, they're profoundly different remembrances, aren't they? Yeah, well, Canadian Thanksgiving basically is represents harvest. So Indigenous people were celebrating harvests in the, the North around October, November. So October traditionally was the harvest season, and so they had celebrated and, and had feasts. And then the French came and they also brought along with them their feasts as well. And so over the years, Canadian Thanksgiving, it's rooted in the harvest tradition, but it's evolved and been influenced by various historical events, cultural inputs as well. So it's kind of changed, but it's different than the American Thanksgiving. And Simon can Mm -hmm. kind of talk about that. Oh, yeah. The American Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure your your American listeners know the bullshit narrative, but there's a really shatter. Don't shatter my illusions about the friendly pilgrim, (laughs) Simon. I can't handle Uh, it. They are not. They didn't. What what the fuck was the bulk? What is that buckle on the on the hat? And it's all right. I I (laughs) like seriously, I can't take the fucking photo seriously, let alone this bullshit narrative. So (laughs) it, it, it people have to remember that the first the very, very first quote unquote Thanksgiving happened in Connecticut, but that was white people celebrating a victory over killing Indians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how the how people are pretending that it doesn't have a bloody history, it, 
is again putting that visor over that whitewashed narrative and they say they go around and they have their dinner and what are you thankful for and as a native i'm like i'm thankful i'm fucking here i'm thankful that your people didn't massacre my people to the point where i can't hit, sit here and have you know a soda pop and yams apparently so we have to remember that when these white people came here and I, I think i don't know if it was last year or the year before john i told you this narrative and npr had to shut me down for it until they reached out to this this professor who wrote the book um lies my teacher told me and so when white people came here the, the story in england and all over europe was that you could just come here with a shovel dig into the sand dig into the dirt and boom bang you've got gold and you're wealthy and so they came here and haphazardly dug all of these holes and what were they doing they weren't planting crops first off they didn't know how to fucking plant crops here because this wasn't their land so we took pity on them and we fed them we're like exactly. fuck look at these people they're freezing but that was only some of them the other ones were also grave robbers so they would go to our recently dug relatives and they would take whatever they thought was worth anything. And then they were so hungry that they ate the flesh. Oh. And these were pilgrims, quote unquote yeah. pilgrims. So the idea of how we're the savage and we know this is the truth. We know who the real savages were. And it wasn't us. It was a dipshits wearing a buckle on his fucking hat. One of the things I appreciated about the uh, Terrence Malick film, The New World, was that it showed the first Thanksgiving was the First Nations people saving the lives of these bedraggled, mm. starving, rag-wearing white people who were barely scraping together a subsistence living. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of the and there's so many narratives about that all over this country with so many different nations and tribes and in Canada and even down in Mexico, how we took pity on them. They didn't know how to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, Julie... Last time you were here, we were talking about the residential schools in Canada and and how, you know, this show 1923 is the first piece of mass popular entertainment, the Harrison Ford series, to actually mm -hmm. take on what the residential schools did. But yeah. we're still treating it as a distinctly Canadian phenomenon because these mass graves were found on the grounds. There's plenty of these mass graves outside of oh, yeah. alleged schools all over this country all over and uh, it's it's one of those again canada's way ahead of us on this and the united states hasn't really made that i mean we know that we have deb holland and she's promised to make this effort it's just it's only a matter of time before we find these mass graves of indigenous babies that these these white catholics and in in, in association with the white government attempted to what they called kill the indian save the man and that was That's literally it. what the policy was called that you kill everything about the the indian in the human and then you make them into white christians and they did that brutally to the point where in canada and in here here in the united states there are mass graves of indigenous children outside of these schools and some of them are unmarked and we're we're right. pushing for the government to look for them and a lot of the, the tribes are just taking it upon themselves as well Right. I mean, what, one of the things, uh, sorry, I wanted to share um, about that history. Um, there's a statistic, there's a survey done, 40% of Canadians don't even know that the residential school system occurred. It's not something that was taught in school. And so I was actually at an event where um, we had, it was a ceremony for one of the, the nations who had discovered some graves for children that were from the residential school. And this non-Indigenous, I think he was a white man, came up to me and he said, 
he apologized and he said he was about probably in his 60s and he said i had no idea that this was the history of our country and he said i used to walk by native people and i would you know scoff at them and and he thought he had all these prejudiced beliefs about native people and he sat there with me at this ceremony and he was weeping and he was saying i i had no idea and for some people you know that's all it takes to 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 live and to be better and to be more understanding and he said that he just has this compassion now and now he when he sees you know a native person he feels a sense of compassion for what every for what they've gone through you know and he didn't know that before and so i think if people want to learn there's so much information out there you can learn the true history of our countries and hopefully that brings you know a, a change of heart because there is a lot of racism out there against indigenous people still and you know i think for for listeners who are non-indigenous imagine living in a society that was built on the hope that you would vanish that was built on the hope that you would be extinguished yeah the whole world is telling you that you should not be here and that's what it feels like for for indigenous young people especially these days we just taped a, a special with ken burns and his new film on the buffalo goes deep into how the official stated policy openly stated of the u.s government was that killing off the buffalo would be a twofer because the government believed, including future President Garfield, advocated for it, that if you slaughter all the buffalo, that will hasten the extinction of the Indians. And Julie, you sent me this article in Canada, where I always view them as being more enlightened than us, uh, looking, you know, flyers for a parent and child group in metropolitan Vancouver that were for whites only parent and child group. That's that's meaning to exclude exclusively native people, right? Whites only or any, yeah, Native people, any any person of color. And one of the lines, one of the statements was uh, escape forced, escape forced diversity. That's what they said on the. Oh, that's what they say here. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the mayor spoke out against it. But I posted that on my Instagram and I had so many people commenting saying, well, you know, this white hate and, and, and you you hate whites because you're not letting them, you know, have their their space to congregate. And, you know, and it's that's not what it's about. You know, it was based on, you know, escaping, you know, this forced discrimination or this forced um, uh, diversity. That's right. And that's not that's not what, what it was at all. But meanwhile, congratulations on uh, up in Canada this week. Manitoba has just elected their first ever premier of a province who is a, a first nations individual i mean it's it's amazing yeah. not only Tell is you, he first nations he's please. a jibwe which is he, my nation is this is wab canoe am i saying his name right wab canoe yeah he, he yeah, began he, he began as a rapper and then became a broadcaster what was the story that led to him becoming premier yeah, well, his story is quite, his story is a redemption story, I think, in, in, in most people's eyes. You know, he had a lot of troubles as a young person. He had uh, convictions. Uh, he got into a lot of trouble. Um, he had assault charges, a lot of, you know, issues around alcohol. And again, that's that um, a lot of um, indigenous people, when they're younger, that's their story. They have a lot of anger towards the society around them. And so he grew up um got into music, rapping, and then he became a broadcaster. And one of the things I think for for Wab is he had a father that was a, a leader 
in the indigenous community. And so I think he really helped to to guide him, you know, to kind of take responsibility for his life. And that's why I think it's so important for young um, indigenous people, native people or, or anyone to have this idea that you can redeem yourself after going through so much and, you know, getting into he was getting into that's trouble it. all the time and he redeemed himself and he he basically won as a premier in that would be the equivalent for the american listeners uh, a governor a state governor is right. what it is so. and he's the son of a chief right yes yes his That's his great. father and his uh, it, it's it's just fascinating because in the 1960s was the first time that indigenous people could vote in canada so we couldn't even vote in the 1960s, and now we have, you know, a premier who's who's indigenous. One of the things that um, I think really helped him to win was there's a story right now that's happening in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and Winnipeg's said to be the epicenter of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. And right now, the bodies of two native women who were murdered by a serial killer yes. are believed to be buried beneath piles of trash in a landfill site, a dump, a dump site. And police say that they were the victims of a serial killer. And the belief is that they, their bodies are in this landfill site. And so the outgoing conservative party leader, Heather Stephenson, refused to search the landfill. She even made it part of her campaign. You know, she had billboards everywhere. Heather Stephenson pledges to stand firm against the search for missing and presumed murdered indigenous women. And I can't oh. even imagine you know, if that was a non-Indigenous, you know, girl, they would be searching that landfill in a heartbeat, in it's a inhuman. heartbeat. Just inhuman. It's just insane. I'm, I'm, so Wab, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Please. Wab Canoe was one of his things. He said, we will look for you. We will find you and we will get you back to your families. And so I just... I'm just so proud that he turned his life around and that he's this inspiration for other people, especially Indigenous youth. Simon, I, I'd love now, if you don't mind, to play a little round of fuck that phrase. Uh, tell me, <laughs> please tell me some of the some some of the phrases that otherwise well-intentioned folks need to remove from their common lexicon, because we, we I'm a big fan of talking about phrases that have long outlived any practicality. And it's time for people to wake up and see what's ugly and what isn't. We're, we're, we're trying to get better. I mean, it took my whole life to get rid of Redskins. But what are sure. some of the anti-native phrases that people need to be more aware of? Um, off the reservation is one of them. Ooh. I know. That, yeah, I know that in 2016, I wrote a piece uh, for CNN uh, when um, Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail referred to Donald Trump as somebody off the reservation. And then I, I wrote this piece saying, look, this is a history of off the reservation. White people came on our land and they put us in prison camps. Right. And now we call them reservations. But. They are prison camps. My reservation is prison camp number 334, technically. Minus 198. Yeah, Minus see. Mm -hmm. So off the reservation meant that a white cavalryman would see an Indian outside of a delineated area or outside maybe even parapets, and they'd point at the Indian and say, off the reservation, meaning he was either coming for a fight or she was coming for a fight or the child yep. was coming for a fight or yep. they were just they were just not following orders and then they, that's it they, non-compliant it, think it for yourself exactly 
non-compliance. So off the reservation has a really bloody and brutal history. Most of this shit does. And a lot of people don't know it because it's been whitewashed. And also another one I really hate is circle the wagons. Circle the Ooh. wagons. <laughs> Most people mean that, you know, you're, 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 you put all, they would come out West, the Oregon trail, and they would mm-hmm. circle the wagons to protect themselves from the savages, from the Indians. You came under our land, asshole. You came here with smallpox. You came here to take our land. You came here to take our families, our children, our wives, our sisters, and we're the fucking threat? Yeah. I don't understand how they can sit there and say, circle the wagons. like, And especially the Republicans today. The ones that talk about, get off my land. Get off my land. Don't oh, take my guns. And they're circle the wagons. No, you're on our land, boss. And you're yeah. the threat. You're the one that's a threat against all of us. So there's Indian givers. There's powwow when people say that they're going to go into a meeting. And that's oh, at the conference room. Let's go to the conference room for a powwow. Yeah. I that's mean, it's not like... what a fucking powwow is, man. Oh. A powwow. A powwow is a celebration of our languages, our dancing, our music, our cultures. We can all come together. It's an affirmation of our existence of indigenous people and that we survived westward expansion. So, yeah, those are some of the I mean, and there's a ton more. I'm sure people are just going, oh, this one, this one. I wish I could hear them yelling into the radio right now. (laughs) Spirit animal, spirit animal. Also, people, anything they like a little bit, you know, from wine to Beyonce, is their spirit animal. Oh, my God. And there's no such thing. No such thing as a spirit animal that is white Americana. We don't have spirit animals. We we you can have a you could be bear clan. You can, you know, we have, but you spirit animal, the idea that like they, they look at like Danny DeVito on, you know, always sunny or he's my spirit animal. And they, ah, fuck, oh, here they go God. again. I uh, know. I know. Well, that's why I love no your book such title. thing. Your spirit animal is a jackass is a great book title. Simon. A great book title. <laughs> Guys, thank you. I, I want to thank you. I, I love that you're doing this segment with us. I hope you'll continue to do it on a regular basis. Our listeners loved it, and our producers did as well. And I really, really thank you. It, it enriches me and my listeners and this entire show to have your voices here on a regular basis. And I just want to do all I can to promote all that you guys are doing. Simon, what is the best way for our Evil Army of the Night to follow you and keep up with all your doings? Lately, just Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Oh, my God. I don't use Twitter no, anymore. You can, Instagram. You can name it. Oh, Instagram. Oh, Good. God. No, just straight up Instagram. So Simon said, take a pic. That's usually where you can find a lot of my stuff. And everybody, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Right on. Julie Franchella, so nice to have you again. What is the best way for our listeners to keep up with all your many doings? Actually, uh, Twitter. I'm still on the Twitter. I call it Twitter. And Instagram at Julie Franchella. And I'm, I just, if I can mention, I'm doing a, um art auction with um, the Hoki Language Project, mm-hmm. which is a language project basically helping um, to to salvage the language. And so we have um, people recording stories from elders across Turtle Island or North America here. So you can look that up on Oki Language, OKI Language Project on the internet, on the interwebs. Brilliant. I will share that on uh, on my Twitter as well. I love your artwork, Julie. It's just gorgeous. Guys, thank, thank you both you so much. much for doing this. Please come back and see us again. I can't wait for the next segment. I love that y'all are doing this and classing up our airwaves. Have a great evening and happy Indigenous Peoples Day to both. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Right on, right on.